The mystical texts, that's what we are uh, dissecting. Um, we've just stepped into the month of Elul. Uh, Rosh Chodesh was um, this weekend. And the month of Elul means that, no, not spring is in the air, but certainly Rosh Hashanah is in the air. This time, four weeks, we will be celebrating the first day of Rosh Hashanah and very apt and connected to what we are learning in the mystical texts as Rosh Hashanah is not the birth of the world, but in fact the birth of Adam, Adam, the first man, and a, a very significant one because the entire world, as we have been learning, um, was because of the creation of man. Everything was created as a stage with many, many things put in place in order for a creature, a creation called Adam to uh, be born, to be brought onto this planet and to do immense things. Um, this month is a month of stock taking, a month where we go through our spiritual balance sheet and we take the opportunity that because God is very close to us, as the Alter Rebbe, Reb Shneer Zalman of Liadi taught us, the king is in the field. Hashem, so, so to speak, leaves the confines of his palace, the confines of his innermost chambers and comes down um, and is very, very much present in the lives of us Jews. And it is our opportunity to talk to him, to converse with him, to communicate, to better the relationship, to look at what we've done, um, look at what we can do to make things better and prepare ourselves because no one, no one who knows that the king is coming to visit or the queen is coming to the visit or some very, very important dignitary will leave it to the last minute um, to get ready. And certainly on a, on a physical level, we are, we are great at that. We are preparing our meals. We're doing our invites. We're going shopping for clothes. But in amongst all of that work, it is vitally important for each and every single one of us to look at what we should be doing um, in terms of cleansing ourselves and preparing ourselves and clothing ourselves spiritually for this great meeting of humanity, of mankind with God on Rosh Hashanah. So last week we were discussing the topic of the soul and we were having an entire um, discussion about what the soul was, how the soul was made up of and um, the various aspects of the soul and what was the birthday of man, etc., etc. Today I want to remain on the topic of the soul because I think that it's a very important discussion um, in many, many aspects. Fundamentally, if one does not believe in the existence of the soul, in the makeup of the soul, or understands anything about the soul, um, you fundamentally kind of like miss the the plot. You, you're misunderstanding why you're here um, in this world. And uh, I encourage everybody to join the conversation. Ask any questions that you would like to know about the soul. Uh, you can telegram us on 61 895-1019 or SMS on 34519. Do you believe in the soul? And if, if yes, what part does the soul play in your life? Do you believe that the soul is 
fundamental to who you are as a person? Does it characterize who you are? Or is it something that you will try connect to, try to visit perhaps maybe on the high holidays like Rosh Hashanah, but when you're shopping in pick and pay, you feel pretty soulless or, um, you know, it doesn't really play too much of a part. How does the soul, how do you connect to the soul? How does the soul connect to you is vitally important. And today I'd like to go through, if we can call them a, a couple of meditations, there's actually quite a few on how we should connect to that spiritual side of who we are and if not connect, at very, very least contemplate and think about what it's all about because, as I said initially, if we miss this point, if we do not recognize that we are a body and a soul, that um, there, is, there is a fusion in us between the spiritual and the physical, then we kind of do miss the point of what's this world all about. But before I get to that, I want to discuss one question that we didn't touch on last week, which is fundamental, and that is is that if we do take um, the existence of the soul as something that we do believe in, then the question can be asked as is, what benefit does the soul derive from entering into the body? We know the body is earthly. It's made up of dust from the ground, as we have been learning in Genesis. We know that it, since it is earthly, it is very, very much pulled towards materialism and everything that the material world offers us. And uh, one can argue, what is the point of taking something that is spiritual, that is essentially something that is very high, something that has an existence before and will have an existence after we pass on, and put it into a body. Um, generally, the soul will lose its original, originally high status. And even if we could argue, even if um, a person is good and he is religious, the soul could never attain the status it once had. Um, so why what does the soul come into the body? Is it a punishment? What is going on here? So the question has been asked by, by many, many rabbis and debated amongst um, those that follow the philosophy or the hashkafa of Judaism. And uh, the fundamental explanation given is that before the soul comes down into this world, it is not fit to experience the radiance of the divine presence. Even though it exists in an exalted state in heaven, until it's born, it remains on a single plane. It receives its life force from God, according to its measure, but it's still considered naked. It's considered devoid of Torah, of all the mitzvot, of all the commandments, and therefore it's not fit to enjoy the divine presence in its fullest. Um, and what happens is that once the soul goes through the transformation of this world, the soul is given the opportunity to connect to God in a place that seemingly looks devoid of God, 
when it willingly goes out and searches the spiritual, then what happens is that it elevates itself. And once it comes back into the, the, the world to come, it is able then to enjoy a radiance um, with God much more than it did before. The marshal, the parable given, is like a person accepting charity at, at the table of its host. If a person sitting and getting charity, sitting at a host table, you probably would be pretty ashamed to look at your host in the face. And similarly, a soul before it comes down to this world is sitting at the table of God, but it's accepting charity. It's getting it without really deserving what it needs to get. Whereas if you come back into somebody's house and you deserve the meal, you've worked for it, you've done something for it, you're able to experience the pleasure in a much greater sense. So too, that's what happens with the soul. And that's why there is meaning in the soul coming down and entering into its earthly existence. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back and uh, we are discover we are discovering and discussing the soul and just before the ad break we discussed why a soul has to come down um to this world and in summation it's so that we by our own volition by our own decisions um elevate ourselves through the process, process of the body and soul being together to allow the soul once it's moved back to the heavenly uh, courts to enjoy God not from a recipient from a charitable way but to be an active partner and uh, appreciate God in a much greater way. One of the other things that we did mention before was that we said the body has 248 limbs and 365 blood vessels and we are taught in Kabbalah um, in the mystic teachings that the soul has exactly the same number of limbs and blood vessels, but that these are spiritual rather than physical. So every part of the soul has its counterpart in the body, and it's very strongly bound to it, meaning, for example, the blood vessels of the soul are strongly bound to their counterparts in the body, just like a, a tree is firmly rooted in the ground. Now, we know that in order for the body to survive, we need food, we need clothing. Without that, the body cannot survive. So, too, the soul needs two things for survival. What does the soul need for survival? The study of Torah and the observance of the commandments. And one without the other is insufficient. Perhaps you can go and say, you know, I'm going to feed the body, I'm not going to clothe it. Or I'm going to clothe the body, I'm not going to feed it. It's vitally important that we actually get both both things the study of torah and the observance of command of 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 the mitzvot of the commandments now when we do an act in this world through our physical body it affects our spiritual soul so for, let's take for example the physical eye the eye is not a, an organ in and of itself that can see what is actually seeing is the soul the power to see, the entire sense of sight depends on the eyes of the soul. And that ability to see is very much connected with the physical eye, right? When we then, therefore, for example, look 
upon something that is inappropriate and it is it it appears to us that we are looking through our physical eyes what we are doing is we're in turn affecting the spiritual eye that we have inside of us and obviously it this applies for good and bad i i said it in a negative sense but certainly in a in a in a positive sense when one looks upon something that is holy and that is right and that is good you affect that power of sight in in a positive way and so forth and so on with all 248 limbs and 365 blood vessels now one of perhaps the most important uh, uh idea is that when one looks at one's mouth one one sees that we only have one mouth interestingly i was i was telling this to to my grandkids the other day if you look at any part of your body you have two of everything two eyes two nostrils two ears two hands two legs two kidneys we have mostly two of everything one of the most powerful tools and interfaces of body and soul is in fact the mouth because this is how we communicate this is actually what sets us apart from the rest of creation okay um is the ability as the torah calls man the to be the medaber to be the communicator we communicate through our mouths why did god only give us one mouth because the mouth is an incredible interface between body and soul when one opens one's mouth and one wants to connect with another creation with something outside of themselves uh, you are putting into words a very powerful expression of the soul the soul can express itself through sight the soul can express itself through hearing the soul can express itself through feeling it can express itself through taste but the most profound way you will get to understand another person is if the person communicates with you so the spiritual side of the soul to communicate is a, a flows through the mouth and so how very very important it is that one is careful about the way that one one speaks um because as we know the whole world stands on the power of the tongue the tongue is a very very um powerful sword that can either build up or it can destroy and so when we start connecting with this concept with this idea that who i am is really the expression of my soul one becomes far more sensitive in understanding a number one to look after the body because the body is housing the soul but more than that that there is an interrelationship between the body and the soul and harming the body harms the soul and benefiting the body benefits the soul and vice versa benefiting the soul will benefit the body harming the soul will harm the body an incredible interrelationship does that resonate with you do you have anything to say about that love to hear from you 34519 just got an sms now in hi adel can you explain the death of a baby 6 months old what was the purpose of their soul so 
This is a very difficult question, and at the end of the day, the fundamental is that we cannot explain it in its entirety, simply because at this point in time, even in communicating one to another, we are we find ourselves in a limited existence, meaning we see the world as it is, and we do not understand what has come before and what is happening afterwards. But I'd like to share with you perhaps a, a story that's come to mind, a, a marshal, a parable that perhaps gives a little bit of insight, not only into perhaps the tragic death of a, of a six-month-old, but to the tragedies that we see where life perhaps is cut short and um, we do not have the ability to live the long life that we pray for and that we ask for. The The, the, the parable or the story that is given is of identical twins that find themselves in the womb of their mother. And as we know, and we spoke last week and, and, and many times before, Judaism believes that the embryo is impregnated with life force from almost the very, very beginning of, of, of existence. And for nine months, the soul um, join the, the embryo as it grows, but is in a very, very spiritual state and is able to understand spirituality in a much greater level than we understand it here. So the story goes that there are two brothers, let's call them twins, in the womb, and they're having a discussion one with another. And uh, there, one brother is a believer, the other is an atheist. And the believer says to his brother, the atheist, do you know that very soon this warm, wonderful, secure-filled existence is going to come to an end and we are going to be birthed into a much greater, much wider existence. We're going to be able to stretch our hands and our legs. We're going to be able to open our eyes. We're going to be able to feel and touch. We're going to be able to walk and communicate. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that amazing? To which the atheist son replied, uh, atheist brother replied, don't talk nonsense. Where do you even get that from? What proof have you got? This is where we are. This is paradise. This is our life. We're getting sustenance now from our mother. We're, you know, warm in, in, enclosed in the womb and enveloped by the, the amniotic fluids. This is our existence. I'm telling you, dear brother, that when this existent finishes, we're dead. That's the end. That's who we are, and that's it. We're dead. And so the believer and the atheist argue, and comes the day um, where the mother goes um, into uh, into birth. She starts having contractions, and the believer is born first. And as the believer makes his way into this world and comes out of the womb, there is a huge shout of Mazeltov, it's amazing, it's a boy. And in those perhaps 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes, for the atheist brother to come out, the atheist brother is left alone. And he cries and he says, you see, you foolish brother, what did I tell you? Once you die, you've gone. Obviously, very shortly afterwards, the atheist brother is born and he will be able to see that, in fact, 
his believing brother is, is was in fact correct. The Gomorrah goes and tells us, and this is a beautiful parable because obviously by extension we understand we birthed into this world and now we are kind of cocooned in this world. We're surrounded by hopefully most of our physical needs. Um, you know, it might be a little bit squashy. Some life might give us some uncomfortable um, blows, etc., etc. But for us, this is our existence. And when somebody passes on, we go into a state of mourning because this is the end. And I think it's the Gomorrah, certainly if not the Gomorrah, and I'm quoting the wrong um, place, it's certainly in Torah somewhere where I read that um, – one of the, 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 the great rabbis said, this world is an upside down world. Why? Because when the baby is born, we say mazel tov. And when the person passes on, we sit shiver and we cut kriya. The opposite should happen. When the baby is born, we should be in a state of mourning. And when the soul returns, we should be in a state of joy. Because when the soul comes down into this world for its journey, who knows what it is that will happen to the soul? And will it be able to fulfill its function? Will it be able to be elevated here? Will it be able to come back to this world um, a better, more more sensitive, more connected soul to its its reality. It should be that we should cry when the soul comes into this world and sing a muzzle tov um, when the soul passes on. And in fact, in truth, that's what happens in the world above. In the world to bu- above, the soul comes down trembling and nervous as to what it is going to you know, be confronted with. And when it comes back, there's a tremendous joy and just as a sideline, people who've had near-death experiences experience a light, experience, you know, people coming and, and coming to greet them and, and happiness that they have finished their journey. We live in an upside-down world. So coming back now to your question, okay, as to how can one explain the death of a six-month-old baby, if one looks and understands that the soul is on a journey, from one world through this world. This world is just like a corridor into um, a much greater palace and anteroom. When somebody has a short life on this planet, it means that the job of the soul was done very, very quickly. Now, one could argue how could the job of a six-month-old be done when at six months, the child couldn't talk, the child couldn't walk, the child couldn't perform a mitzvah. Sometimes all it takes is for the soul to come back into this world, be enclosed in a body, and that is sufficient um, for that soul to move on. So while it's extremely painful for us in this world to experience the death of a, a young child or somebody dying an untimely death, from a soul perspective, it is a release because that soul has fulfilled its function in a much, much quicker way that ordinarily takes much longer. So I hope that I've given some light to to that. Um, and then we had a question, yes, from last week that said, how can one love God with all their soul? This is a very, very good question. And part of 
really what I wanted to talk about today because loving God with our soul means us understanding what our soul is all about. Because if we are able to feed our soul, how does one love one's body? Let's ask that question. How does one love one's body? One loves one's body by caring for it, by feeding it, by clothing it, by giving it the nutrients that it needs in order to stay healthy. On the other side, um, how does one love with one's soul? One will love with one's soul when one feeds the soul the nutrients it needs in order to survive. Because when one gives the soul what it needs, it awakens in the soul the connectedness to its eternal source being God. And so when God says you should love God with all your soul, okay, we should love with all our soul, we need to awaken firstly that understanding of the soul, that feeling of the soul, and then that soul expresses itself in this world in things that it finds um, that is that that is needed for it to survive, um, and it's v- loving with one's soul is actually a very very um, a very very high level. It says first we fear God with our souls because the first thing we think about when we meditate on the soul is that we realize the soul is on a journey and it needs to accomplish things. And if it doesn't, there is a reward and punishment system in place. And so the soul um, vibrates or the soul reacts in, in a manner of fear, in a manner of awe that I better do what I have to do because otherwise I'm going to get into trouble. But as one connects with that soul and feeds that soul and becomes more um, connected to the spirituality of who we are, we learned to love with the soul. So I hope that answered somewhat of, 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 of our questions. We're going to go for a, an ad break and afterwards I'm just going to give you some ideas on what to meditate in order to get to, in order to connect to your soul to say, Hey, hi, how's it? You've been around with me for so many years. I better get to know you. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and we are being very soulful today discussing the soul. If you'd like to join the conversation, the telegram number is 061-895-1019, the SMS number 34519. So here are a few ideas on getting connected to your spiritual states, getting connected to that gift that God gave that blew into initial man, that 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 breath of life that each and every single one of us have. Firstly, we should we should meditate on the fact that we were created from utter nothingness. You know, we we think that we are the be all and in the the you know the 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 end all of everything. But the truth of the matter is is that we are nothing. Our soul only comes into the world, and um, so to be worthy of the spiritual essence of paradise as a result of its efforts. And this is a great kindness from God. You know, um, if God didn't give us our soul, we would not be alive today. That is something very important. We should be showing gratitude towards God for creating us. Uh, another idea is to meditate 
on the perfection of, of our body. We spoke about that a couple of podcasts ago, a couple of weeks ago, that what would be like if God forbid we were born without eyes, without feet, without hands? Um, what would happen if a physician came and healed you completely? You know, how grateful would you be? So how much gratitude should you show God for your body and for the ability by extension then for it to be a vehicle through which your soul is able to communicate with with the with with the world another idea is to know that what are we doing let's meditate on what are we doing with our lives like what has been good and what has been bad Let's give a, let's give an example about that. Imagine a king called one of his men and he gave him a sum of money to buy things that were needed for the palace. And the king cautioned the man not to spend the, this money for anything else. Now, it is obvious that he would be extremely careful with his expenditures and he would keep a precise record of all his expenses. Because if the king would ask him for an accounting, he would have everything recorded in writing ready to present and he would go before he met with the king every time he would look and review the accounts over and over in case there's a mistake and in case he's accused of mis- mis- misusing royal funds think about that how much more important and how much more true is that of our mission in this world god has given us a soul it's given a job for the soul to come into this world and the body is the funds. The body is the vehicle through which the soul must use, which the soul must use in order to achieve what it has to achieve. At any one moment, God forbid, any one of us can be called to the world of truth and we need to give an accounting of what we've done with our lives. Now, we would be very careful if the king gave us money and we don't want him to think that we were using the money incorrectly. Why do we not have that attitude about our soul? God's given us a soul, something unbelievably precious. He said, I'm putting it in the body. Go out and elevate the world. Connect the soul to this world. Do what you have to do in order to live a fruitful life. And sadly, what we do is that we squander it. We, we sit on a very, very physical plane and uh, we just worry about what we're eating, what we're drinking, what we're wearing and where our next holiday um, comes from. We also know that when we go away on a holiday, we very carefully pack our luggage. We make sure we take everything that we need. We, we, even if we're not going very far, you know, us Jews, we'll take like everything to, I know that I've got a very, very specific list of what I need and in, in, to take and to make the, 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 the trip much more comfortable. We need to take that and understand we need to do that with our souls. We need to make provision for our souls. It's not only about refraining from doing things that are wrong, but it's also important to do things that nourish the soul and that give the soul what it needs. You know, there's the famous, um, uh, I think the famous story, I think it's, I think it is of the Chofetz Chaim again to stand to be corrected if it's not apologies out there, but I think that it, it was once somebody came um, to the Chofetz Chaim who lived a very, very simple life and asked, why, why are you living so simply? There's hardly a couch. There's hardly anything in this place. Why have you got no material possessions? To which the rabbi replied back to those that questioned him, where's your suitcase? Like, why, why haven't you brought everything with you? 
um, sorry, why, why have you got a, a, a suitcase? Why, what are you doing? They said, well, we're traveling through and we've got the stuff that we need. To which the rabbi replied, well, I'm also traveling through. And it's not about my couch and it's not about my car and it's not about the holiday that I'm going through. That's not my luggage. My luggage is to accumulate that which is needed. What is needed? Torah and mitzvahs. To be connected to God, to understand God's wisdom, and that is of vital importance. Perhaps we can, we can end, there's many things that we can discuss in understanding the relationship of body and soul and what we can meditate on, but perhaps one of the biggest for me is to understand you have a soul and you have a mission and you have to elevate it, but understand that the person that you are sitting next to, the person that you are um, interacting with, be it your your husband, your wife, be it your children, be it your your mother-in-law, be it the person at pick and pay. Each and every single person like you has a soul. And those souls are very much connected because they've all come from the place that you have come. And whilst the, while, whilst every person's soul ha- is a different branch on a different level, needing to fulfill something in life, nevertheless, the person that you're looking at also has a soul. And so it's important to be careful never to harm anybody else. You should do good to others just like you run after your own needs because you are in turn nourishing their souls. And this concept is is unbelievable in that this is where we throw away bigotry, we throw away racism, we throw away all those horrible, ugly um, labels that we label people and we judge people because of the color of their skin or the language that they speak or the place that they find themselves in. Understand, people drive different cars. Some drive Toyotas, others drive Audis, some drive Jeeps, others drive motorcycles. At the end of the day, each and every one of us were given the vehicle that was needed in order to drive our soul around. But on a soulful level, we are very, very much connected with with each other. And in turn, each of us are connected to, to the one above. And so it's important for us to remain in a positive charitable connected way that will 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 make this world a better place once we start hurting another person we're actually hurting ourselves and this is really a concept that needs to be learnt and integrated fundamentally into who we are as 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 a nation as a world as a people and vitally important probably one of the concepts of what you what you do, you know, goes around and then comes around again is certainly true in Judaism. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back and, uh, we're coming very close to the close of the show and discussing the soul. One last concept that I'd like to bring, um, bring in and that is when we look around at the world and we see that we are perhaps, um, blessed with intellect, with, um, higher intellect or with wealth or with any um thing that 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 makes our life easy in this world what should we do with all of that well the torah comes and teaches us that those are just again vehicles in order for us to connect with the world in a more profound way meaning if for example let's take 
um, wealth if you are blessed with the blessing of wealth and you are able um, to live at a much higher level than another it's not that you should just go and you know surround yourself with the, with with every physical indulgence and feed the body you should rather feed the soul and how do you feed the soul by sharing your wealth because ultimately from a torah perspective you're looked at as if you're a bank manager and you hold funds for god god is funneling his funds for the world through you and your job is to be the disperser of those funds to see that those funds go to those less fortunate from from uh, than you and this all these type of concepts comes from the fact that we recognize that we have a soul because if we don't recognize we have a soul well then if i have a 100 million in the bank then i can spend it on my yacht and my you know my mansion and my car and and and, and my fancy shoes but if i recognize that there's a soul and that i have a purpose then you ask a much deeper question what does all this money mean in my life it means that you have to act with it soulfully you have to use it in a proper context share it Similarly, with intellect, if you're able to understand deeper things, share your ideas and the purpose of life with others and go out and make this world a better place by communicating, by teaching, by elevating. Time is almost up, so I wish each and every one of you a wonderful week, a soulful week, a week of spiritual accounting as to where did our bodies take our souls this year and what can I do? to make next year a more meaningful and a more soulful experience. I'll leave you with that, and uh, please, God, I'll be back, same time, same place, next week.